I had to watch, hello? I had to watch that clip about 50 times to not become emotional when I watched that. Anybody have a problem with watching Facing the Giants and being emotional? There's a battle going on this morning that we're going to talk about that that video plays direct correlation to. There's a battle today. Yesterday, tomorrow, until we're out of this world and since people began in the ministry of Jesus, there has been a battle. And the battle is over something that you and I possess, yet we don't have full function of. We don't have the the complete grasp of just to completely control it. It's a battle over the way that we think. It's a battle over what's between our ears and what's in our heart. It's a battle over our mind. If you see what he did, what the coach did with Brock, by the way, if you haven't seen um, Facing the Giants, I highly recommend it. Watch it with the kids with a box of Kleenexes, okay? Um, it is snowing outside. It's starting to snow. Uh, we have some people watching that. They're, they're going to be cleaning sidewalks and make sure everything's safe. If it becomes unsafe, they're going to come let me know. I'll let you out of here. Um, we've got a couple, you know, four-wheel drive trucks. The guys in the band will just take you home in the back. No big deal. So, <laughs> that'd be chilly. But there's a battle today that's going on through our mind. And it doesn't start... There's not a new battle when you become an adult over your mind. It starts early, doesn't it? With our children. If you watch some of the shows, now some of the shows on Nickelodeon, we don't let our girls watch. Oh, wow, you're a mean parent. If you watch some of the shows on Nickelodeon, check out the relationship between mom and dad and the teenagers. There's a lot of disrespect there. Now, you're going to raise your kids without being disrespectful. No, I didn't say that. But there's a battle over our mind. If they see it, they think, oh, that's okay to act that way. And then when they act that way in our house, then they get punished. See, there's a battle over, all over our mind. And it, it starts at a very early age. And at a very early age in this church, um, you become able to go to Kids Rock. And if, I don't know if we've had, have we had some people already sign up for Kids Min- Children's Ministry Day? You're full. Okay. I can't make that announcement because I told you space was limited. I, I hope uh, we'll have other, 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 uh, other opportunities, but that's, that's, man, what a problem to have. That's awesome. Um, it starts early, right? It starts early with our children. Now watch. We are trying to combat that issue at this church, in our families, in our home groups, in our connect groups. Paul does the same thing. I have a very hard time thinking that Paul is not writing this fourth chapter of Philippians and he does not sound remotely close to what that coach was, was, was saying. Come on. Ten more steps. Twenty more steps. But he blindfolded him. Remember that? Go back and look at this on YouTube. Go back and watch this movie. He blindfolded him. If you were paying really close attention, he says this. And he goes, and one more thing, I'm going to blindfold you. What for? Aren't we like that with God? He says, hey, I have something for you. Why? What for? And, he said, and the coach tells him, he says, I don't want you to get to a certain spot and feel that that's good enough and you just quit. That, that, that'll preach, okay? You, it will. Don't think. See, we, we have these human goals, don't we? Oh, man, I've made it this far, and I'm good. And God says, I have so much more for you if you will trust me. Keep going, keep going, keep going. There's a picture out on Facebook. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. I don't mean to dis, dis, 
represent this holiday. But we're talking about a love that's far greater than candy bear and chocolate. Okay, listen this morning. As we talk about the, what Jesus has, there's a picture floating around Facebook. And it's been out there a long time, but it, it, it portrays Jesus on one knee. And, he, and he's doing this. And the little girl has a little bitty teddy bear. Have you seen this? Little girl has a little teddy bear. And Jesus says, he says, I, I want it. And you know what she says? She said, but I love it, God. Behind Jesus' back is a teddy bear that's about this big. If we would just give what God asks us to give, if, he, if we would just blindfold ourselves and just go, what could we see? Paul is at the very beginning of the start of the, the church, the, the original church, the, the very, very first ones of these that are being started. And he is talking with these people and he said, listen, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't quit going. In the first three chapters of Philippians, we have found some of this. And some of you, some of you come up to me and say, man, I didn't like this sermon. Yeah, it's not fun preaching some of these. Now listen, listen to what we've, we've studied. There is joy in suffering. Ugh. I don't want to, do you want to suffer? Very few of us woke up this morning, well, maybe me, except, you know, God is just answering my prayers for snow. It's okay. And say, oh, I just can't wait for this 20 mile an hour wind. It's going to be so awesome. Oh, I gotta, I gotta go to church. Remember what we talked about. You get to, we get to because of the 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 relationship that we have with God. There's joy in our suffering. There's joy in Jesus. There's joy in serving with the attitude of Christ. We talked about that Jesus is priceless. Man, Mary and I went to Chicago for our ten year anniversary, and our summers are usually packed. And we got married in June. Um, uh, 12 and a half years ago. I have no idea how she has put up with me for that long. But, you know, it's a miracle. Uh, it's a God thing. But we went to Chicago. Married, never been to Chicago. And we went to Chicago. And we walked the Magnificent Mile. If you ever walked the Magnificent Mile, it's awesome. You see Michael Jordan's restaurant. And ladies, ready? They have Tiffany's. You know, Blue Box Tiffany's. You know, guys, Tiffany's. Okay. Like, sign over the mortgage to your house. <laughs> we walked in, and I said, Mary, I want you to pick out something really, just really, something that you would wear. Now, take it, take it in consideration. Mary and I, collectively, had no understanding that we were going to buy anything in this store. We were just going to look. Now, she walks in, and she said, oh, I like that bracelet. I said, that's a pretty bracelet. It is a little thin strip of gold. Okay. It has a couple diamonds. They are not huge. You'll understand why I was so concerned with what he told me the price was. And I said, I said, I said, sir, I said, how much is that? And he said, oh, this, this lovely bracelet is, is one of our more, more affordable ones. And I said, okay, I'm in the Magnificent Mile in Chicago. I'm like, what's affordable to you? He said, for this lovely bracelet right here, he said, I'll make you a deal. Today you can have it for $9,000. I said, how much just for the box? <laughs> and now we think, and we say, oh, we, I'm reminded again of my, of my grandfather. Some of you knew him. And I asked him one time, I said, grandpa, I said, how will you know if, one, if you or grandma goes to heaven first? How will you know? How will you, how will you know? I was, trying, I was a young kid. I was trying to grasp this. How will you know who your wife was? 
Because if, if grandma or you go to heaven first and your body changes into our heavenly bodies, listen, I still don't understand all of that. How are you going to know your wife? I said, I know. She'll recognize you because of your wedding ring. My grandpa looked very, very lovingly into my eyes and he said, the last thing that I'm going to get, or the last thing that I'm going to do when I step into heaven is wear a piece of pavement on my hand. He said, Matthew, you're going to see things. We're going to see things that are priceless. Here, we studied throughout Philippians that Jesus is priceless. Last week, we talked about pressing on. This video hits on that again. Keep sharing. Keep going. There's some weather. We're going to talk about something that's a little bit difficult this morning. I want to pray for us. Okay? Just bow your head with me. God, I thank you so much for today. I ask God that you just keep us safe and help us to make good decisions about service and about the, about the, about the roads. God, I just ask that you just take care of us. Protect us. Lord, we thank you for those people that are helping serve out in that area and, and that are doing a great job. God, this morning as we concentrate on your word, help us to hear what you have to say. God, that we be open to hear the words from you. Maybe there's things in our life that we need to change. May we be open to that change. In your name we pray. Amen. There is a battle over your mind. Now there wasn't a battle between Mary and I when we walked into Tiffany's. Because she ran faster than I did when he said $9,000. He's like, oh no. Heck no. That's a car. To us. That's a vehicle. There's a battle over how we think. Oh, that's... I, I'm, I'm an American. I can think how I want. Okay. If you're a follower of Christ, you have another set of rules. Okay? And there's a battle over how we think. We can get comfortable. We can get complacent. If you're in the fourth chapter of Philippians, if you're on your phone or your iPad or whatever you are, if you're in your Bible, we're going to have some things. Make sure you have a pen ready. A pen handy. We're going to do some underlying this morning. Uh, some of us, we're going to talk about why we're going to un underline some of this. But we need to go back and reread this. I had an assignment for seminary, you know, and I had to, read, had to read this section, this paragraph. This language, I mean, you have to have a thesaurus to even read this stuff. It's just hard. And the next week, one of the assignments, we had, we had to do absolutely nothing but read it. The next assignment, the next week, the guy comes back, my professor, and he goes, I need you to read that again. I didn't understand it the first time. <laughs> so I, I go back with a thesaurus and with a like Google Translate, try to read this paragraph. And it goes back the third week and the fourth week. Every single week, we had to go back and read that paragraph. And guess what? By the sixth or seventh time that I read it, it began to completely click what he was trying to get across to us about the Scripture. He said, God's word is alive. Every time you come back to it, it's going to show you something different. So when we write this stuff down, you're going to have a couple, couple things to do today. So in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, check this out. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. Now, if you want to go ahead and put that up on the screen. Thank you. Um, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. It means absolutely, you can look in any commentary that you want. It says this, keep doing what God wants you to do. This is, this is, this is very, very concrete, decided what, it, what this means. My bro dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you. And I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. 
Now, I want you to, I want you to watch something. How many people in, just, just, just by a show of hands, and this is not anything embarrassing, how many people in here have completely had to rely on a very close friend at some point in your life that something went wrong? Anybody? Anybody had to rely on a really close friend? Okay, now think about that friend. Think about your closest friend. If it's your spouse, great. If it's not your spouse, think about that friend, childhood friend, whatever. Think about that person. Now think about all the things that you went through with that person. Think. Man. I remember being in a visitation for a family member. And I looked up. And here they came. Three of them. Some of my best friends in this world. And they walked down. They didn't even have a relationship with my family member, but they had a relationship with me. And I was important to them. I mean, you think about these people. They are there for you. Paul and the church in Philippi are these types of people. They are close. They have been there for each other. Paul shared the good news with them. The church in Philippi has helped support him financially so he can go on and do this. They are very, very, very close. Why does he say that? He's reminding them that you need this. You need, we need each other. You can't keep going without each other. How far would the, would the young man have crawled without the coach encouraging him? Some of, some of you guys would say, well, he's just yelling at him. Well, there are certain things in sports that that kind of motivates you, all right? And without being there, you may not understand that. But how far would he have gone without the blindfold? He would have got to where he was and, ah, I'm done, I'm done. I got to the 30, look at me. He wouldn't have found his full potential. He wouldn't have seen it. We need each other. Look at verse 2. Now, I know. Now, this is a really cool thing because before, before you all came, I selected a name of one of you guys and you're going to help me pronounce these wonderful, easy names up here. I'm just kidding. But now I appeal to Iodia and Sinki. I didn't guess. I actually looked that up. Um, but it says this. Now, he, now, Paul says this. You and you. If you want to call them ENS, it's a little bit easier, okay? ENS. Listen. Paul is in prison. Paul is not with, this, with these people. This is an argument that Paul has heard about. Remember, he just said that we need each other. Look at this, verse 2. Look at this. By name, Paul calls these people out. Think about it. There was a feud between these two women. And there is a possibility, and I say this with grandiose humor, there's a possibility that there might be another follower of Jesus in this life where you may not see eye to eye with. You can laugh. It's okay. Do you know why that happens? Because we're human. It happens because we're not perfect people. You can have a relationship with someone and still not see eye to eye. Paul is, Paul is warning them about something that is very, very, very serious here. He says there's a possibility that you can have a disagreement. But there is no excuse to not reconcile it. Just agree to disagree. Now, for you that are just trying to, in your brain, go, holy cow, who is talking about a connection? I'm not. Just chill. 
I, I, I have an experience with this type of stuff. I know of two families that did not talk for over three years because they argued where the coffee pot was going to go in the kitchen. Do you know how much that influenced the kingdom of God? Negatively? They didn't talk. Listen to me. It's a coffee pot. I don't care if you have a bun, 17 Keurigs, or you brew it yourself. Agree to disagree that you like coffee differently. Buy two pots, put them both in this. I don't care. Paul says the same thing. He says, get over it. He pleads. Look at the last part of this verse. He says, please. Hmm. Very nice manners, Paul. Please. I don't think he said, will you please get along? I don't think he says it like this. I think he says this. Will you please, for the kingdom of God's sake, get along? Please keep going. Please keep going. I'm getting beat up daily. Will you please keep telling people the truth about God? I don't think that he wrote this quietly. I think he was much like the coach here. Will you please, please. Imagine the person that came to get this letter and he took it back to the church in Philippi. And Paul, if he could touch him, he probably grabbed them by their shirt and said, will you please Tell them how significant this is. That we have to get along. There are disagreements that we have in our life. You know what I've had to do? I know some of you don't want to hear. You know what I've had to do? I've had to actually walk up to another human being and, 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 and say these words. You ready? I was wrong. I'm sorry. Not, I'm sorry you misunderstood me. <laughs> Not, I'm sorry that you, oh, I'm sorry that I, whatever. I'm sorry. See, Paul says this, if you have stuff in your life, get it handled. Because there's a battle going on over how we think. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. There's a battle that's going on. Look at your worship handout. It says, Paul writes this letter to encourage. You're going to hear this word. You're going to hear this word over and over today. Paul writes this letter to encourage these followers of Jesus. He also teaches them to work together. That's what these verses are about. Work together. Anybody ever been a part of some kind of like freshman orientation or something at school or something at your work where you had to, you had to do team building? You ever, you ever had like that spider web and you got to pass certain people through it and one person and not two people can go through the same hole or you all have to make it up over the... It's incredible. You have no idea what you're capable of until you're put in that situation. Paul says this, I'm writing this so I can encourage you. Keep going. We need each other. We need each other. I thought about that, those words this week. We need each other. For those of you that have taken this long eight and a half year trip with us at Connection, or if you've gone away and come back, listen to this. Do you think anything that Connection has done is physically possible without the help of other people in here? We don't clean bathrooms without the help of other people. We don't park cars. We don't help uh, get off the snow off sidewalks without other people. We work together. Why? So one day my name can be in lights. No! No, no, check this out. People will come to connection if they pass away. Watch this, connection's not going to stop. If I die, connection won't stop. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about the message of Jesus Christ. 
Paul says, listen, this message is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than all of us. We just got to work together. Everybody grab a rope and let's go. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. So, and I ask you, my true partner. Now, this was just a, a mature, okay, this is just a mature person in the church in Philippi. He says, to help these two women. What's he doing? He's a peacemaker. Wow, why is, what's that a big deal? You go back to Matthew, look at the Sermon on the Mount. Peacemaker's a big deal in Jesus' eyes. He says, blessed are you. Blessed is the peacemaker. Blessed is, the, blessed is that person. But I want you to go to these people in love. Go to these two women, for they have worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement. Specific people. Why does he mention specific people? You want to know why? Because it's absolutely 100% true. These are real people. Oh, the Bible's not true. If you think that, I'm not going to try to change your mind. I can give you some things to read and things to ponder and things to just think, to look at the Bible as you would any other historical book and show you how solid it is. There's been 53 towns just in the book of Luke alone that he records. Some of them aren't even towns anymore. They're, they're gone. They found 53 53 archaeological towns just from the book of Luke. That's really, really strong coincidence. Or the book of Luke is true. The book of Philippians is true. He said, They work with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Now these are, these are believers. These are people that are Christians. Paul says this, Don't stand idle. If you know that you have a problem... Don't say, I'll just wait till they come and apologize. I was right. You've been right and know you're right. I can guarantee you that it is not easy when you know that you know that you know that you're right to go to that other person and say, you know what? I don't care who's right. Ooh, yes I do. Don't you? Don't I? Oh, I know I'm right. Oh, I know I'm right. Let's just put this aside and let's keep going. Now, right in between verse 3 and 4, Paul shifts gears. And he, he just addresses in the first three verses, he says, listen, there's a problem, blah, 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 this, 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 you, 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 get over it. Okay, now that we're over it, now let's go to verse 4. Look at this. He, he shifts gears. If you have your pen handy, underline always. Ah, always. I don't like this. Always. Always. If you've ever taken a multiple choice test, for a teacher that has a remotely cool sense of humor, if it ever says always, it's probably not right. If it always says only way or always or it's, this is the only way, very seldom is that the right answer. For those of you who are going to go back and take more tests, just take that for your information. But always is a very, very key word in a multiple choice test. Because there are not things that are always good. Except one person. Now look at this. He says, always, underline always, be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Underline rejoice. So you have always rejoice. Now, this is the fun part of this. The next time that you read Philippians 4, 4, and 5, you may not be in a really good mood. So off to the side, while, even while, we're not, while I'm preaching, I want you to do this. I want you to write something, do something on your phone, on that Bible app, you can put notes in there. Listen, right on the side, why you should always rejoice. 
if you're reading this and you're not in a good mood and all of a sudden you come across and you're like, <laughs> you could go home with me. We could get in the closet in, in, my, in our bedroom and we have some older pictures. We could begin, you could be in, I could be in whatever bad mood that you want to be in. And I start looking through those pictures and I'm like, holy cow. That's why the time hop thing on Facebook is really cool. This morning I looked and I have daughters from five year, four or five years ago. And it's, it's Lydia's first Valentine's Day and they got these little bitty bears. And my girls are so little. And I'm like, oh man, that was so cool. And my attitude begins to lift much the same as the scripture Look at verse 5. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Be considerate. Oh, what's that mean? It means this. What do people see when they look at you? How about this? Arrogant, self-centered, self-focused, anti-humble, angry, worried, anxious, depressed, suicidal, and addicted. But that's just me. That's the old man. Those are tough words. What, is, what do other people see? See, I was walking around at a time in my life where I didn't think that there was any hope. Oh, but there is. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Remember what He's done. Remember what he's done. I saw a picture this week of a lady give praise to God. You know why? Because she, not because she had a wreck, but because God took care of her. Well, my car's ruined. You can think of this two different ways. Get out and go, oh, oh, my car, my car. Realize that you're walking around. We have so many things that we could sit here and write. We should not walk around defeated. You know why? Because the battle's already done. The battle is won. The Lord is coming soon. Everybody in this time in, in Scripture thought that, okay, Jesus left. Okay, that's, okay, He's gone. They literally thought they were going to see Him again in a couple months, a couple weeks. Not any more than a year. He'll be back. He's just gone to just to do some stuff with God and hang out. He'll be back. Listen, that was 2,000 years ago. Okay. The only thing I know about the end times is today we're one day closer than yesterday. I'm not going to tell you that I know because the Bible says even the Son doesn't know. He's like, okay, He's going to get in His instructions and He's going to come. That's it. I can't sit here and tell you. But look at this. God has already won the battle, but it's easy to feel defeated, isn't it? Some of you, some of you right now have had a big time trouble going through Philippians because you're like, all you talk about is being happy. I'm not a happy person. You know, there's people that you call on the phone. Hello. I just called the, oh yeah, I'm in a great mood. Listen, I get it that life happens. It's easy to see the negative only, isn't it? It's easy. Great big white piece of poster board and I put a black dot in it and I show you and I say, what do you see? All of you, if you did not know that trick question, you would say, I see the dot. You don't see the 95% white good poster board. You just see the dot. It's easy in my life. I have to watch it all the time. I can see the recovery that I've made in my life on certain things and I go, but I still struggle with this. Look at where you come from. We're not where we're going, but 
Praise the God. Praise God we're not where we used to be. We're a work in progress. It's easy to look at the, at the stuff that's negative. When those negative times come, and it's, and it's easy to feel negative in our life, I ask you to do this. Go back to these verses and look at them about always rejoicing. And then, write the blessings down in your life. If you want to know something that you've overlooked, I've probably heard them from my four-year-old. If you've seen this, if you've seen this, this picture, it has this, this father going in with his son, and, and the son looks up at his dad if they're praying. He says, Dad, I want to be, I want to be just like you. And he prays, and this little, this little son is, is praying for things that just seem so minuscule. And the dad goes into his room, and he prays. He says, God, make me like my son. To pray like he prays. So much, so much gratitude. Listen, most of us in here have the ability to see, walk, talk, taste food. Man, you know the coolest thing about tomorrow is it's half price chocolate. No amens on that. Okay, anyway, it's ego. Isn't it really good? Now, don't eat too much. Okay, I've been spending some time on the treadmill. No, and, and, and I'm not, I mean, I don't like it that great, but I know it's good for me. However, I know that if I eat chocolate, it, it adds more distance to what I have to run. But isn't chocolate in very, very small portions or food in, in, in appropriate, isn't it good? Isn't it good? To, to, I love what Mike said. Mike used to say, he goes, I'm so glad that God made cows out of steak. Praise God. And if you don't like steak, I hope you like chicken. If you don't like chicken, ah, french fries, I guess. Everybody likes french fries. Look at verse 6 and 7. Write these down. You should put these on your mirror. Listen, it says, don't worry about anything. That's easy for you to say, you have a Disney World life at your house. Man, I wish you could come over. <sighs> Not really, because I'd be embarrassed. Listen, don't, don't worry about anything. It said pray about everything. How about this? Write this down. Turn what you worry about into something that you pray about. That's huge. God, I'm so worried about this. I'm so worried about this. I'm so worried about this. Do you know what God is asking you to do? Give it to me. Like the girl with the bear. Just give it to me. You can't handle this on your own. You can't do all of this on your own. Pray. Underline this next part. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Tell Him what you need. God, I need a Ferrari. He's going to say this. No, you don't. No, you don't. Let me give you what you need. Let me give you what you need. Sometimes what we need has no financial or monetary value. You know, one of the most valuable things that I've ever seen in my life that God has given me is peace. How much, would you, how much would you buy peace for? Think about that. It's invaluable. But He's given me peace. He's given me understanding. Look at verse 7. Then you'll experience God's peace. Why does He say it? Because God's peace is completely unlike this world's peace. This world says this. If you have enough money in your 401k and, re, and your retirement, you're good. Just go. <laughs> Don't put your trust in anything that can go away. Quote from Rick Warren. 
Don't put, any, don't put all of your trust in something that can go away. The only thing that you can put your trust in that doesn't go away is God and His plan for your life. That's it. Look at, keep on, look at verse 7. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We should be celebrating going through this life, not moping around. Listen, Paul's in this prison, man. He's probably, he's probably shaking. Will you let me out of here? I've got so much to say. The guards probably want to have nothing to do with him. Why? Because he's going to preach at him. Hey, listen. Listen. Oh, the guards talk to each other. Have you been around Paul today? Yeah, the only thing he's doing is preaching again. Praise God. Awesome. I know a lady in town, every time I talk to her, I said, how are you? She goes, she goes, health-wise, I'm not good. I have everything I need in Jesus. She's not healthy. She has things wrong. And she said, I'm good. She goes, if God chooses to let me work, do my job, do what I do today, that's awesome. If He takes me home, I win. Listen, that attitude. <laughs> to that attitude. How about this? Are you a worrier? Uh-oh. Some of you right now are going, how much snow is out there? I can still see somebody's windshield. You're good. You have people taking care of that. See, see this, is, this is how this works. We worry about things, and for the most part, some of those things don't even, don't even grow into anything worth worrying about. We're remodeling... <laughs> Remodeling-ish. Repainting, remudding, retaping drywall in our bathroom. And we had Connect Group last Monday night. And we had people that don't usually live in our house come into our house. If you've ever mudded drywall, you understand that <laughs> before you prime it or paint it, it just looks kind of wow. <laughs> You got mud everywhere and on the ceiling and everything sanded and, you know, there could be some dust. And we told people when they walked in, listen, if you have to use the restroom, just don't close your eyes when you go to the bathroom, but just close your eyes about whatever thing else is. And you know what they said? You live in your house. And we were worried. I'm like, oh man, oh man. And they're like, hey, okay, you're going to fix it. That's fine. See, we worry about things that oftentimes we don't need to worry about. Look at the handout. Look at the worship handout on this. Look at this. I really want you to get this. Some of you need to cut this out and put it on your mirror at home. Why do you worry? Why? Ask that question. Ask that question. When you find yourself worrying about anything, ask ask this question. Why am I worrying about this? Now, yourself will answer this. Yourself will say, oh, because uh, this person is important to me, or this and this and this and this. You'll, you'll come up with these things. But listen, well, look at the next one. Why do we worry? And if we're worrying, why don't you just tell God what you need? Change your worrying into prayer. Tell Him what you need. You know, do you know why? You know why we're supposed to tell God what, he need, what we need? Because He told us to. <laughs> tell me what you need. Does he already know? Yes, but he wants to hear from his kids. He wants to hear us talk with him. And look, I love this one. Thank him for what he's done in your life. You know what I, I, I end up saying? When our people came over for Connect Group and we had Connect Group and they all left. I thought, man, I'm just so thankful for the relationships that we have through Connect Groups in our churches and how it's teaching us to work 
together. I'm so thankful, God. Thank you. You could do this for a long time. If you were raised in church, this may bring back some familiar, familiar memory, memories. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done, right? Count your blessings. Da-da. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has what? Done. Realize what God has done in your life. Think about this. Where were you five years ago, spiritually? Ooh. Where were you ten years ago? What's God done? Start with this one. God, thank you that I'm alive. Just start basic. <laughs> Look at Philippians 4.8, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I told you we were going to get to this this week. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. As if, as if the first three and a half chapters were not hard enough. He says, oh yeah, 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 one more thing. Look at this. Fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I'm going to say something that I said last week. If you weren't here, you have to hear it in context. Here it is. You and I are not good. We don't like that. Yes, I am. I go to work. I go to church. I give money. You're not good. Left up to your own. You cannot attain God. You are not good. Jesus was perfect and God is perfect. And Jesus took our place. That's the only way that God can look at us is through His Son to say they are good. They are good. I had a person from this church come up to me after the service last week. They were joking. I'm just going to preface that. They said this, I don't know where you get off as being a 35-year-old preacher talking to me because I'm older than you and saying that I'm not good. He was joking. Okay, easy, easy, easy. He was joking. He, but he, he understood. He understood. He said, man, that is such a powerful, powerful powerful point I said when we look at this at this specific issue that we are not good it takes a whole new perspective in a lot of walks in this life we're not good we need God he understood this guy that talked to me understood that Jesus is good and that's it Maybe you have some of this stuff in your life. Maybe you think, fix my thoughts on what's true. I have no idea what's true anymore. I've lied to myself and believed lies for so long. What's honorable? I have no idea what that means in this day and age. What's right? Not like left and right. What's, what's correct? What's pure? Don't do a study at your house about how pure your water is. Don't do it. Okay? Unless you have a pure water filter or something to take that stuff out. Listen, do you know that we have one of those filters? Well, we, have, we have one of those filters that's actually a physical thing. If you, think, if you think, man, I cannot live up to this stuff. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Oh, no, I can't do that. You know what? I used to say the same thing. And on Friday nights, you know what I, you know what I found? You know what I found? That that junk that I have in my life doesn't have to stay there. That I don't have to be defined by my past. Ooh. If I ask you on a very personal level, if you would like to be, or to be removed from being defined by your past, and we were sitting very close to each other, I have a really good idea that you would say, I don't want to be defined by my past anymore. 
I'm, I'm, a, I'm a better person. God's made me a better person. Cool. C- celebrate recovery. Friday nights at 7 o'clock. We all, you know why celebrate recovery works? Because it's God-based. We look, at the, we look at the scripture and what God says about our stuff. Paul reminds us in the last part of verse 8 to think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We go look, we're going to switch, don't flip there, we're going to switch to Proverbs. Look at this. Why do we get in trouble if we do it on our own? Look, the next verse. There we go. Trust in the Lord. Trust in me. I can do it. You ever get into a situation in life and go, <clears throat> I'm going to trust in myself with all of my heart, with all my mind. And all my... How does that work? You wind up on the good side or the not so good side. Arrogance get in the way. Listen, in the Proverbs, the, the author says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then he goes a step further and he says, whatever you think, don't necessarily do. Why? Be careful how you think. There's a battle over your mind. Do not depend on your own understanding. Number six, verse six, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Seek him. Paul is saying the same thing from Philippians. He says, seek him. Look at the next verse in Philippians, verse nine. He keeps going. He just says, think about the things that are important. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Again, if you read this out of context without going a couple chapters behind, you think Paul is the most arrogant dude to ever walk this earth? Think about that. How many people in this room right now would walk into their job tomorrow and say, hey, listen, everything that I do, you do. And you better step quietly. You better pay attention to everything that you do. Paul is saying, listen, listen to what I told you. Read what I wrote you. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. The whole book of Philippians is an if and then. He's saying, if you guys will keep on doing what God has called us to do, then God's going to bless us. Wow, we should just do it for the treat. No, no. No, Paul says you get the treat because God says, I want you to serve me. And when you say yes, this is a hard step. I've heard faith be described as taking a step even though you don't see the staircase. What do you think? You think I should go for it? No, not unless Christina, you know, wants to hug really close. Okay, that's not going to happen. All right. God says, listen to me. Trust me. Trust me. And through Paul here, he said, listen, follow me. Other people do not know this peace that you have. Think about this. Think about going through some of the roughest times in your life. And if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, think about going through the roughest times in your life and not having anyone to pray to. Anybody to have hope in. You know where the hope has to come from? You. You know how many times I've let myself down? Man, I don't want to tell you that number. Number one, because I probably can't count that high. What can we do? He says this, people are going through some tough stuff. This world, this room, they're going through some tough stuff. We don't understand it all. Paul says it's not for all of us to understand. The only thing that we're supposed to do is trust. The reason that I can't watch Facing the Giants very, very far away from a box of Kleenexes is this. There's a scene in that movie where they're having trouble having kids. 
Mary and I had trouble at the very beginning of having kids. And we prayed a prayer before this movie was ever done. We prayed that prayer. We said, God, if we are ha- going to have kids, we will raise them to honor you. And if we are not able to have kids, we will live our life and impact young people to, so that they learn to follow you. I will praise you in the storm or I will praise you in the sun. That is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Why? Because it was something that I wanted. God, I want this. We had to be patient. Guess what? We have actually more kids than we have these two. There's all kinds of kids at Connection that I consider my own. Some of the youth, I'm like, man, I love hanging out with you guys. We get to influence them. Show them what God has done in our life. And it goes on to the last blank in your worship handout. Look at this. We're going to repeat a word. How can you encourage someone this week? Think about those people that are going through this crazy time in their life right now. And they have no hope. As followers of Jesus, it's our job to share with others what God has done in our life. That's called your testimony. Do you know that no one can argue with your testimony? You can't argue with mine because you're not me. You don't know how God sees me. I don't know how God sees you. There, we're, gonna, we're, we're getting ready to close and I, I want to challenge you to do something. And I thought about this all week. And I've tossed this stuff around. In a room this big, I don't care that there's weather. I don't, I don't care that there's weather. I don't care that there's snow. I don't care if we ran five people or we have 150 people in here. In a room this big and with this many people, there are people that are going through this life right now that they have stuff that's tough that's going on. I thought, I've, I've prayed for you this week. Now, am I lying? You just have to take my word for it. I prayed for you before you came here today. I prayed for you after you came here today. I said, God, we were, we were standing right here playing music, and I said, God, please speak to these people. Through, this, through these songs, through the words that you have me say, please let them understand what you want them to get. If you're going through a rough time, if you need to understand that this hope in God is real, if you need to forgive someone, if you're losing the battle on how you think, I want to pray for you. I'm not a magic person. Just because I have a title of pastor doesn't make me any more of a Christian than you do. But these people have this stuff going on in their life. Me too. Uh, you're a pastor. You have Disneyland at home. Man, I wish you knew that. I wish you'd just see the other side of that sometime, just so you just don't think that anymore. If you don't think that there's a battle over my mind, you're crazy. I have people that call me, text me every day. I'm praying for you as a leader of our church that God wins the battle over your mind. Satan would like to do nothing else but derail us. We're eight and a half years old. Think about that. The first time I led worship and I was the worship leader when we started... We had pieces of paper with lyrics on them. Do you remember that? There were no screens. There was no drums. There was no microphone. Listen. There were sheets of paper. People were like, I played a total of, I think, six chords the whole, the whole worship. And I thought, how in the world, God, are you ever going to do anything with this? Look at this. Look what we have. 
God is God. I'm glad I'm not Him because I wouldn't get it done. But I know two things in this life. God is who He says He is, and I am not Him. Those are for sure. If you're going through one of these times, I'm going to ask you to do something very brave in a minute. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to have everybody bow their head. I just want you to lift your hand. I don't care what it's about. Uh, you, it's between you and God. I'm just going to pray for you. But it's, it's that submission of saying, God, I need you. And if that's you this morning, as we bow together, I ask you to just lift your hand. Let's bow for prayer. And if that's you, just lift your hand really, really quietly. Put it down. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. God, you see these people that have, that have come to you. They've raised their hands. God, you see the people's hearts that are in this building. God, Satan would like for nothing better but to win the battle over our mind. But in Paul's word in Philippians chapter 4, he says that we must keep going for you. Give us strength, God. I pray for these people to have this stuff going on in their life. Whether it's sorrow, whether it's hurt, whether it's guilt, whether it's emotion. Maybe they don't know you, God. And I just ask this week or today that you make yourself very, very much well known to them. That you are who you are. A God of, a God of love, a God of mercy, and a God of grace. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for the words sung in worship. We thank you for Philippians chapter 4. And God, we thank you for the men that have given their time to make sure that we can get out of this parking lot safely. In your name we pray. Amen.